there's a growing commitment and acknowledgement uh, to meet modern energy needs and to look at green energy as a alternative energy solution. I'm uh, Jasandra Naika. I'm the chief executive officer of a independent power producer called Biotherm Energy. Warm greetings and welcome to Power People, a new podcast series from the Africa Progress Panel. The Africa Progress Panel consists of 10 distinguished individuals from the private and public sector who advocate for equitable and sustainable development for Africa. Kofi Annan chairs the panel and is closely involved in its day-to-day work. The other panel members are Michel Kamdesu, Peter Eigen, Bob Geldof, Grasa Machel, Strive Masiwa, Lina Moholo, Olushigo Obasanjo, Robert Rubin, and Tijan Chiam. I'm Max Bankale Jarrett, the director in charge of the APP Secretariat, and also your host for this podcast series. In each episode of the series, we'll be discussing a range of issues linked to the 2015 Africa Progress Report, Power, People, Planet, Seizing Africa's Energy and Climate Opportunities, which sets out a path to the energy transformation that Africa needs. The Power, People, Planet Report calls for a tenfold increase in power generation in Africa by 2030. Why? Well, because the need for modern energy in Africa is so, so urgent. Here are some stark facts. 621 million Africans currently live without access to electricity. And sadly, 600,000 die each year from household air pollution, simply because they rely for cooking on biomass. Throughout this Power People podcast series, I speak to individuals who are working to address this challenge by focusing on the opportunities that currently exist in Africa to, so to speak, power the future now. My guest in this edition is Jasandra Naika. Now, Jasandra, what excites you and what really inspires you right now about what is currently happening in Africa's energy sector and the energy space in Africa? So um, what's really exciting me at this point in time is, is the fact that there's a growing commitment and acknowledgement to meet modern energy needs and to look at green energy as a alternative energy solution. Africa is blessed with abundant renewable energy resources, in particular solar. And I think the opportunity is ripe in terms of capturing that feedstock and, and using it as a power solution. The other things that excite me about what's happening in the African energy sector is the increasing interest shown in, in Africa from an investment perspective. Uh, we're seeing more willingness from uh, investors to look at renewable energy and other power projects across the African continent. However, it's a slow trend. We are seeing more transparent and regulated frameworks and policy for private power procurement. And I think there's, this is important because it's allowing for the influx of private or independent power producers to work with governments to produce power projects. And how much of that interest is actually translating into concrete investments and the kind of things that you want to see as an operator in, in this sector? Well, you know, uh, I'd say that's that's a hard one because while we are seeing this this trend towards transparent and regulated frameworks, it's not yet done with a sense of urgency. And I think it needs to be done with a sense of urgency in order to see that translation that actually occurs. At the moment, you know, South Africa has has definitely led the way in terms of a 
the annual program of a gigawatt of renewable power procurement. That hasn't really happened anywhere else on the African continent. But if governments could act with a sense of urgency and respect timelines or set even achievable ones, I do think there's the opportunity to actually translate or basically convert some of the development opportunities into real power projects. Now, Power, People, Planet is the name of the Africa Progress Report that was published in 2015. And as you know, the APP always tries to situate what is happening in Africa, what needs to happen in Africa within a broader global context. Now, having said that, what do you think it is that, as far as energy is concerned, Africa must learn from other regions? And what is it that other regions can now learn from what you're doing in your space in Africa? Let me take what Africa can learn from other regions. I think first and foremost is the establishment of more effective systems of governance. No corruption, regulatory legal frameworks, transparency and accountability, and robust policies. What we often see when we develop a project in Africa, there's this perception that you know, things may not have been done in, in the most appropriate manner. And I think when a government shows its alignment uh, or support for a particular power procurement program, it actually assists in ensuring um, that, that that kind of stereotype, a negative stereotype, is actually removed. I think other things that Africa can learn from other regions is creation of market certainty. So have the right policy framework in place, ensure that it's met within a a, a, a certain time period and create an enabling environment that will result in that willingness to fund local development. More and more, we're seeing that that is coming online, but you know we, we can't wait for, for, for power projects in particular to take 10 years to be developed and then come online. It, it has to happen at a much faster rate. And I think, you know, looking at programs in the US, in Europe, you know, take the the, the strong positive aspects of that and try to use it in, in your own particular uh, country. In terms of what can the world learn from Africa, I think there's there's some really good things. First and, and, and foremost, I think the concept of Ubuntu, human kindness and human interdependence, I think that's one of the most inspiring African values. And, you know, some people may see that as being a a, a, a soft learning uh, from, from Africa, but I actually think it's really important in terms of to your point, you know, power, people, planet, the, the interdependence of not just each other, but on where we actually live. Also, I think one thing Africa teaches you is how to exceed in the face of hardship. And ideally, this should not be a strength, but, you know, it's been it's often a it's, it's perseverance, it's resilience and creativity in terms of finding solutions in, in what is typically deemed a tough market. And I think we're grateful for the ingenuity that comes out from entrepreneurs who actually are willing to take the risk in order to be to, to build out power projects in, in Africa. And if I had to look at a specific program that the world can learn from Africa, I think the South African Renewable Energy Program is, is a prime example. It's, be, it's received international accolades, but more importantly, it has shown that with the right structure in place, the right framework, you can have a very successful program. You know, the South African Renewable Program went from zero megawatts to 6.3 gigawatts in a space of five years. And I think that is exceptionally impressive. And what exactly does the right policy framework look like? For example, if I'm president of Liberia, you're advising me, you know, what, what should I be trying to do in my country to, to make sure there's a true enabling environment and a right policy framework for the energy sector of my country to really move forward? 
So I think first and foremost, it's looking at the bankability of a project. These are very high capital intensive assets um, that we're looking to build and ensure that there's an enabling environment. And that let's look at a, a few aspects. So ensuring that there is a bankable power purchase agreement, that there is some form of guarantee that in the event of producing power over a 20-year period, and if the off-taker, such as a utility, cannot pay for that power, that someone else could step in in order to pay for that power, thereby creating security for the upfront capital investment that was actually put in place. It needs to be a compromise amongst the lenders that, that provide the capital into these projects, the developers that develop them, as well as the, the government that actually provides the, the policy in order for a project to be built. I think the other advice that I would give is, you know, don't try to scrape the bottom of the barrel when it comes to price. Any first project in, in, in a country is going to come with a learning curve and, and with that comes an associated cost. You know, don't assume that, you know, if Zambia is, is securing 4.6 US dollar cents for power, that that will work in Kenya. They're very distinct. Each country is unique. It's very distinct. There's different qualities in terms of feedstock, different regulation and policy that drive how the cost of power is determined. Don't always go for the greatest or biggest project. You know, Lake Takana took, was a transformational project, but it took over 10 years to develop. Africa needs access to power and electricity now, not in the next decade. So if we want to achieve the economic growth that we're, we're looking to aspire to, we should customize projects to what the grid infrastructure can handle and to what costs can be covered as part of the project economics. So I think that's, that's very important. So looking at your particular country, looking at what you can afford, and always, you know, I, I think it's very important for Africa to ensure that there is some local industry creation in terms of rolling out power projects. So use private power procurement as a way to catalyze the creation of a local industry. Uh, and this is you know, not just trying to create manufacturing opportunities, but also to spur the creation of a local service industry around the development of, of power projects. Now, for those of us who are trying to follow this space but aren't experts, what exactly is a bankable project or an unbankable project in the energy sector in Africa? I mean, explain that term, please. Okay. So a bankable project is, is simply one that the lenders are willing to finance. And in order for a lender to get comfortable to finance a particular project, it needs to meet a certain set of criteria. First and foremost, the procurement around various aspects of this particular project needs to be done in a transparent manner. It also needs to be done in a fair manner. The project needs to meet certain environmental requirements, and in particular, the equator principles need to be met. In addition to that, from a funding security perspective, a project needs to, to, to ensure that there is some kind of sovereign protection behind the uh, ability for a developer to actually receive the revenue that it generates from the power that it produces. So I think in a nutshell, those are the key things that one would look at from a lender perspective. You know, th there's a long laundry list that makes up uh, bankability, but you know, that in itself is an entire podcast. <laughs> okay. Now with regard to wider policy issues, what has inspired you and what has disappointed you since the climate change conference in Paris last year? To me, the past climate change conference excited me in the sense that it was a, a step forward change in terms of, of the world realizing that climate change is a key focus. 
I think what has disappointed me that e that even though great outcomes came out of the Paris Climate Change Conference, in the 12 months that have passed, one has not really actually seen significant improvement or change. Agreements and accords have been signed, but there's limited action in terms of new projects being developed or awarded. And I think a lot of this you know, has to do with the fact that someone actually needs to go out and implement the, the frameworks, the, the policy in order to allow for, for projects to be developed. I'm hoping that that does happen in the next few years, but it, it shouldn't take uh, another 10 years before that actually happens. Jasandra, if you had only 30 seconds, or I'll give you, say, 45 seconds to convince an African head of state or a group of African head of states, for example, at the AU summit, of the urgency of advancing the energy agenda in Africa right now, what would that message be? First and foremost, I would convince an African head of state to implement transparent regulatory frameworks and procurement programs with an urgency to get things built quickly. One should consider the South African Renewable Energy Independent Power Producers Program and its approach. It effectively created a new industry in Africa with local players becoming larger developers across the continent. You're in a field of energy which, to me, has long been a male-dominated sector. What's your perspective going into that as a woman? And what would you say to other women who are interested in, in working in this field? I would say go for it. Yes, I am often a lonesome woman. But within my organization, we have, I'd say, 45% women that work in the power sector. Uh, and this includes very technical aspects of project power development. So I, I don't believe that there should be a uh, glass ceiling in terms of being able to advance in, in this particular sector. However, I, I do believe you need to have a bit of a thick skin because it's not always easy. Do you mentor any young women or girls who are interested in engineering, electrical engineering, or being financiers in this field? I mentor the, the women in my organization. We often recruit young women, graduates straight out of university, and what I really uh, try to promote is that there should be fairness. It, it's, it's not uh, something that should be gender aligned in any way whatsoever. We've had women go out into uh, rural parts of Mali to look at project development. So, you know, if the opportunity is there, take it. We're, we're not going to, I'm definitely not going to prevent it. In fact, I'm, uh, I would want more and more women to uh, pursue power project development. And uh, I think it's, it's really an exciting thing. For me, the ability to work with the team that I do to develop a platform that is targeting a gigawatt of renewable power by 2020 excites me every single day. Tell us about the issue of racial diversity in this sector in South Africa, for example. Um, I, I, I won't even talk about South Africa because Biotherm is majority, it's, it's an exceptionally diverse uh, organization. It's majority black. But I, I think... And, and I was trying to, to bring it out in a, a more subtle way. You know, let's focus on building African-born independent power producers. Why should it always be very large international utilities coming in to develop power? Why, why do we need to set the bar to that high level? The South African program allowed anyone to participate, provided that they were able to provide or meet certain minimum criteria. And that level of criteria didn't target or only focus on your large multinational or someone with an exceptionally large balance sheet. If you could prove that you could secure the funding for your project, you could participate. And I think that really allowed the opportunity for more 
new players to be developed in the energy sector. And often what we see in the rest of Africa is that there's a strong focus or reliance on let's look for the biggest utility, international utility to come in to develop our project. I have to say, you know, I'm, I was a first time developer in 2011. Our projects were brought online, which means they started operating on time, under budget, and are currently overperforming. We didn't have a single change order. And, and that's testament to the team here that was willing to say, we will create, we will use or leverage international best practice to ensure that we produce the best projects. And what's the dream that you'd like to see realized at the end of the next, say, five years? A lot more power projects on the African continent. Finally, in your opinion, what do you think the Africa Progress Panel can do to help advance Africa's energy agenda? I think first and foremost, you sit in a prime position to be able to educate Africa's leaders and ministries on infrastructure development by creating an incentive. I would go out to African governments and say, if you want concessional funding, your technical teams need to go through a training program on how to provide the appropriate mechanisms to procure independent power. I think that would help in terms of reducing the time it actually takes to develop and construct and operate projects, power projects in Africa. I think it's also important for you to continue to push the green energy agenda with a focus on both off-grid and utility scale. For me, the opportunity is ripe, but I feel that there's a need for guidance to come from an independent organization like the Africa Progress Panel in order to push both of these agendas. Thank you, Chisandra. You've been listening to an episode of Power People, a podcast series production of the Africa Progress Panel Secretariat. I am Max Bankale Jarrett. My co-producer and studio manager on this podcast series is Dan Graham. For more information on the work of Kofi Annan and his colleagues on the Africa Progress Panel, please visit our website at www.africaprogresspanel.org. You can also follow us on Twitter at at Africa Progress. And please do join our growing community of over 1 million supporters on Facebook. We really look forward to engaging with you as we continue to actively promote and highlight the myriad opportunities in Africa to power the future now. Forward ever and all the best.